What's up, everyone? Welcome to Desolation Radio with Dan Neath. What up? Hey, you right? How are you doing? I'd never want to interrupt, like, until you the know. full flow of. Yeah, it's just, you know, cause it throws everything off then. No, it doesn't. Doesn't it? No. Oh. It's a charming back and forth. It is. I'll be more peppy next time. Like, yeah. Saturday morning. Yeah. What's up, Neath? Hey, man! Good week. <laughs> yeah. No, it's been alright. How about you? Uh, yeah. I can't remember. What's I can't that? remember either. Um, I just go through a haze of eternal recurrence in my own life. Like I'm reliving everything. <laughs> What's been happening? Uh, I went to the physio today. Oh. Uh, did go well. <laughs> uh, I got a physio Friday, actually. Uh, it was all right. I mean, I, I'm kind of... we got to cut down on the gym loads. Well, I'm getting to the age now where they're sort of less and less sympathetic, you know, and she was going through my folder and she was like, you came to see us before by your ankle and then your knees and then your neck. <laughs> Um, and now you're back and I was like well it's my groin as well you know, and they're sort of like hmm. not full of that one yeah they're kind of sort of you know it's a Louis C.K. bit where he says you, you realise you're old when you go to the doctor at like 40 and say oh, bad, uh, a bad ankle or something and the doctor says yeah and like this is just so what is. your body's going to feel like from now on fair um, behind you oh absolutely and they were just long for the sweet release of death oh yeah I was like, <laughs> I'm kidding <laughs> um Okay, what are we talking about today, right? So, Sweet so, race so, of death. Uh, no. Fantasize about mm-hmm. the end of our So, race. a bit of a, a macabre introduction, but we're delighted to be joined today by Marty Van. Um, hello, Marty. Hi, hello. How are you? Very well, thank you. Um, are you ready for the sweet release of death as well? Are you a bit happier? No, I am happy. I went to the Royal Welsh uh, on Monday. So oh, it's okay. My mum's got yeah, mum's going tomorrow. It was really good. It Seen was packed with people. Good lifestyle. Thousands. Yeah, yeah, some good cows, some nice. very beautiful cows. <laughs> Out of ten, what would you give those cows? Um, well, they looked very healthy. Is it like, so is it like, a, a, well, a ten. Ten out of ten cows. Is it like crafts for animals, for yes. like farm animals? Yes, okay. you see the judges going around and they're very, very um, thorough. Is it an auction? Any auctions? I don't think so. Hmm. The thing about uh, the, oh yeah, so... Did you ever read that really interesting story? There was like there was actual case of like sheep wrestling in like uh, Slana Brother in West Wales. This guy sheep got wrestling. this guy got done for like basically like stealing sheep. Basically, it was like a huge scandal, and then like the they found like the tag sheep being sold at other markets and stuff. I just thought that was an awesome throwback to wrestling. The good old the golden age of it's, wrestling. It's a bit like Fight Club, but with sheep wrestling instead yeah. of fighting. Um, a lot of people fed up with like you know they can't define their masculinity anymore through like a labour market so they just go back to their roots and rustle sheep I think they should like beat them up well, they could um, do as well couldn't they a bit of both a bit like Rocky the reason we've got Marid on today is because she, um, well we're, we're honoured to have her on is that Marid is the only full time politics reporter um, in the world you know, it, of the Welsh Assembly in the world um, in, print in, in print publications. So Marit is um, the assemb- embedded assembly reporter, uh, politics reporter for the Welsh language uh, magazine and publication Golu. So Golu um, sells, I mean, I'm going to read out some impressive statistics now, sells between two and a half to 3,000 print editions per week. Or per week. Per week. Um, it gets about 60,000 weekly individual visits to its website and is an estimated between uh, ten and 12,000 uh, regular readers every day or every week uh, or just that's a core readership yeah, yeah. it's really impressive figures um, 
So we're going to talk about you know Mara's experience basically in the assembly. So for the first and most pressing question is like what? Gonna, sorry, oh. to what what happened in Wales this week? Um, should we do it at the end? No, it's, <laughs> let's do it. Let's yeah, do it at the end. Let's, let's do, do, let's do it at the end. Um, the first most pressing question is Mara, what's it like living in the National Assembly? <laughs> Living. What are your what are your, what's your room like it under the National Assembly? Throw all the events and it's it's really good. It's <laughs> it's really exciting being there. I've been um, in my current role now for nearly a year. Um, the only thing I would say is that you know in my room in the well not my room in in our room in the um, written press room shared accommodation shared accommodation yes yeah um, it's you know. From what I've heard, um, from from when the assembly was set up um, at the at the very start, you had um, journalists there from, you know, loads of publications, the Financial Times, the Guardian, you know, everyone. It was it was a really good time to, to be there. Now it's obviously it's just me there full time. It's, it's mad. You've got um, yes, yeah, you've got um, Gareth Hughes, which is a freelance journalist. Uh, he's there to keep me company, thank God. And you've, you've got some journalists who come who come in once a week and then occasionally, and you know that's very occasionally. It's very uneven um, how often they come in. So it it is it is scary that you know it's it's Wales is um, a really important body, very important legislator and. Um, the amount of scrutiny uh, that's there has just gone decreased dramatically, whilst the powers have gone really, you know, have increased massively. So it's just like the, you know, apparently Westminster's got one journalist yeah. who's just there. You know, there's just one guy covering all it's the debates. Someone's, and... someone's kid to work experience, isn't it? They they alternate it. I've just realised, as as with every episode, realised belatedly that should have probably done some uh, research in what it's like in Scotland, but I'm fairly sure that the Scottish Parliament probably won't have just one um, reporter. But that's really interesting to think of this, like, heady golden age of, like, all these, like, you know, journalists, like, in the actually in the Assembly with, like, working officers there reporting on things. Um, I should say, it's just as for print now. We've got, obviously, we've got um, a whole cohort of BBC journalists and ITV there. Um, Looking but for stock images of cats. Term- permanently there, there, yeah. Yes, they yeah. are, yeah, yeah, um, but it's just me in terms of um, written publication, so yeah. So, I mean, it would have been interesting to see them sort of gradually pulling out like the established uh, papers, you know, mm. Financial Times, you said, like, mm. um, I wonder if The Guardian and all those actually had a, any presence there, but um, one of the words you just mentioned, which is the most important thing in all this, I mean, apart from, well, apart from the fact this is in itself just indicative of you know, the, the media landscape of Wales and the information deficit is this idea of sc- scrutiny, as you said. It's um, so there's all these debates going on, um, and no one's there to. I mean, well, there aren't no. many people there to no. sort of record, look at them. And, and it's an exciting place to be. People might think that the Welsh Assembly is is boring, that nothing gets done there. But no, not at all. Quite the opposite. You know, Assembly members they've got loads of responsibilities now. Whereas you could argue that. Um, Welsh MPs, um, they've got less and less responsibilities. So they, these are important people who are affecting um, Welsh people's lives every day, and it goes unreported. So it's a, a chicken and egg scenario, isn't it? Because I mean, I did a talk in the Senate the other day about political awareness and literacy in Wales, and as nice plug, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, but as as and you know, hopefully there'll be an article out on it soon. But 
as statistics show, I mean, people in Wales generally don't really know who is in charge of what. In particular, there's a, a deficit by the NHS. I mean, most you know, just you know, over half the population tends to know that education has devolved, but people don't know that the NHS has devolved to Wales and things like that. So as you said, people don't know that these people are doing. Um, they're in charge of things, and then I guess in it's how do, how do you rectify that? It's it, I don't know. It's it's a bit of a so it's, so in terms of your remit, do you actually have to? I mean, in terms of your workload, is that quite intense because you have to um, sort of cover the whole? Do you have to pick and choose stories? Pick and choose, yeah. Obviously, you can't cover everything, um, and it's very much when I'm working on. I, I work three days a week for the um, for our magazine, and then two days a week for our website. So. Um, very much when I'm working for the magazine, I've got to concentrate on the magazine. I don't get much, as much time to concentrate on, on the website. So um, it's it's very much, you know, you do have to sort of pick and choose and think which stories are the most interesting ones or the most important ones. So there are things sometimes, you know, Twitter's very good. Sometimes yeah. I use Twitter to, to report on some things that are happening. Just um, to get something out there. Just to get something out there, yeah. Yeah, but obviously I haven't got a whole host of... You know, I haven't got thousands of followers following me on Twitter and things on Twitter, they get lost as well. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure what the answer is really to to get a grasp, grasps with that, with the democratic deficit, because I know, you know, it would have been, I think it would have been a much easier move if, if Gorlog as well pulled um, mm. uh, anyone from the, from from reporting on the, um, on the assembly, but they've, They've kept someone there because it's 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 a principle really for them. It, just to go back to that picking and choosing the story because it, it is something I can't quite get my head around really. Because if you just think about it, 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 have you ever seen stories like potential story fall by the wayside that no one's picked up, or have you ever seen things that just have just been passed or things that you thought well actually we could have done with someone? Yes, yeah, and things also where. I have prepared a story for the magazine and obviously that there isn't enough space for that story so that gets um, let off and usually we're, we're quite lucky because we can give it to the website afterwards um, but yeah there are things and there are things as well where you think there needs to be more investigative journalism in, into a particular um, subject and I got a look and myself, we haven't got the time or the resources to, to go you, after you're that. You're quite like a tight deadline, so I know like, um, yeah. with, uh, there's this really good book called Flat Earth News uh, by Nick Davis, and I don't know if you are aware of it, mm. but like, um, he wrote about how our reporting culture changed over the years, especially during the 70s when it became more market orientated, mm. and now that like, um, news stories have something like an average I, well I may have made this up so I can't remember <laughs> the exact thing but like like a, like a five minute or six minute turnaround to get something down so like with like rolling news as well it just kind of puts the emphasis on that it's you know quantity you know quality because like as soon as the six o'clock news in the morning starts going you have people writing things for like little banners at the bottom and just you know trying to figure out as it yeah that's along. true well it's because you, you, you do you see um not just the BBC, although that's probably, I mean, you hammer the BBC for it because that's, because you notice it the most, because you go to the, I go to the BBC World website the most, but there's not scrutiny of statements. It's something's happened, they interview the Welsh government or minister spokesman, and then they just report what he said. 
Yeah. And that's it. And so it's just same outlets reporting the same story. BBC Wales wrote and then you'd have, you know, Wales yeah. Online. Yeah, no, no, and no, it's no. just a, yeah. Yeah, but, a it, but, it, but it's yeah. not oh well let's think about, you know, what that means or let's investigate, you know, is that legitimate what they're saying? It's just oh okay. Well um Yeah, I'm not sure I'm not sure obviously about the um other journalists, but I would, I myself would like to do more um, scrutiny and so on. Um, but you know, well, you do, you do get you you do get interviews with with ministers, and that's a that's a chance, that's a window for you to um, scrutinize them. And obviously, we do question stuff stuff on our website. We don't do we don't just um, take every statement as mm. as it is. Um, we do question. You know the amount of money things get and what what is said in the in the chamber and the assembly, so um, yeah. But obviously, it's it's something without resources you can't really investigate and go right down underneath different stories. So in terms of when you started, and I'm just interested in like the day to day, on day to day life. Do you have to cultivate contacts in all the different parties and everyone? I'm assuming everyone knows who you are and. I think so. I hope so. Anyway, yeah. um, that was the hardest bit when I was starting here in last September. Um, it was making contacts and, you know, making contacts with politicians and also different uh, people from different parties and the government. Um, it's becoming more easy now. So, yeah, it's just it's a lot of that, obviously. And that's why it's so important for someone to be there, because if you're um you know, covering Welsh politics from somewhere somewhere else, you don't get that face to face contact with people. So that's a really important aspect of of my job, definitely. So if there's like a story, I mean, if you're thinking of a story is breaking or whatever, you're just, what do you do? You ring them? Do you have to like go up to them and say like, can you can I speak about this or is it? It's usually ringing them directly. Um, it's great to have. You got Karen Jones's number. I haven't, unfortunately. Uh, Not Karen Jones, no. You've got to be really careful what you send, send in yeah. WhatsApp messages to. It's probably like... Yeah, this is a big WhatsApp. Wrong person, sorry. Like. That's, yeah. where, that's where <laughs> the people I went by Beetha with. Yeah. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, it does help when you've got their direct numbers. Yeah, that's good. Uh, the Welsh government, I should say, they, they're quite, you know, in terms of their um, press team they're quite approachable and they will work to give you an interview or something if, if you need it especially with Carwin I've spoken to Carwin lots of times and you know they're always happy for journalists to do that um, do you find you can't smile? can't smile? he always smiles yeah but it's like this <laughs> oh, like, like, every time I see him yeah well. he's just like very affable dude yeah uh, bears his teeth like <laughs> like when a chimpanzee's angry <laughs> But um, yeah, one one thing about the government actually is quite a, a worrying thing, quite a strange thing, is that they've stopped doing monthly press conferences. Um, they they say that they're doing one. Well, they used to say that they did one once a month with journalists and a monthly briefing with Cadwyn on on what was happening that month. Um, I've been there, you know, as I've said, nearly a year now, and I haven't had one monthly press conference that was meant to happen with the government um you know they they, they had one when um the government was launching the white paper on brexit and i think that's it then. that was it yes so yeah. there's i mean even within 
government is almost like a there's nothing coming out really no it's possibly I don't know what it is in terms of it might be to do with the lack of journalists and we might be uh, on of we you know we might be um, need a minimum RSVP like yeah yeah it might be somewhat our fault as well because we 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 don't push them enough for it but um yeah that's one thing that's not happening so well i mean all this is all, all i always think is you know is it again used to use that sort of idiom the chicken and egg scenario like so as you said is it they do it because they're you know if there is less scrutiny do you become more complacent as a government or do you become sort of less interested in being transparent but the thing is because you know there are live captures of the senate and things like that aren't there obviously so you know if you really want it you can watch all these things so it's a, it's a it's in the public domain so they're fulfilling that ask you know and the minutes are mostly kept for meetings although interestingly i was trying to do some research on into you know why wasn't rail infrastructure devolved after the silk silk commission um and it's really interesting because i spoke to jonathan Edwards about this on twitter and it's re- it was really hard, really, really hard to find because you, f- you found in the sort of discussions uh, after Silk and all these sort of biz- the, the committee reports and things like that, the Welsh uh, Assembly Government put out and it said, you know, infrastructure of rail wasn't devolved because there's no cross-party consensus. So I was thinking, right, well, let's go back and look at the minutes of the expert evidence and f- see who was against it um, and who was for it. Now, obviously, then you can see because... You know, it was clear in the assembly documents that they didn't. The people writing the assembly documents were basically saying, "Well, it seems to be no arguments against devolution of infrastructure, given that devolution of you know Scotland got devolution of infrastructure. So, what could possibly be the reason um, given?" And then I think that the transport and under secretary at the time, this guy called uh, Maynard. That's his last name, obviously. Uh, last name, yeah, yeah, like a Brazilian football player. Um, <laughs> But he was saying, oh, at the time, there was no cross-party consensus, you know, back in 2013, I think, when Silk was. And then, so I was looking for it, but there are, there are no minutes. There's no minutes. Like, there's there's, evidence, there's expert evidence given by, oh, I forget, some professor in Cardiff, and fairly sure he was saying that, you know, it was the gist of you know, this you know, long minutes, but the crux of it was, like, he's he was for it. But there, were, there wasn't, the minutes weren't there. And it was just a summary um, the, all we could find in the National Welsh Archives was a summary of, and all it says was there's no cross party, and so it's things like that, isn't it? It's, yeah. it it's, and it's only when you start thinking back and thinking, well, I'd really like to know what what happened because yeah. you know, especially when with devolution with the Wales Bill, which is so complex and maddening and inexplicable in so many ways, you think, well, it would really be great to, and it's but it's really important. It's incumbent on all of us, I think, to if you're interested in devolution, to like you have to start taking. It's a bit frustrating because I don't think you probably shouldn't have to, like to mm. go through the archives and things like that just to try to find out what happened. But if there was a, a broader press coverage, then hopefully we wouldn't yeah, need to true. need to that's do true. that. Do, do you think, though, in a sense that the the limited press coverage is almost um, reflective of, uh, you know, how inter- Welsh how interested Welsh people are in, um, you know. Politics. Politics, yeah, or policies or just day-to-day stuff because, like we said before on the media podcast, that, you know, a lot of people see themselves as being British, so British news is sufficient for them. 
Yeah, of and course. Then it, like, you know, it's almost like a, a kind of... Well, we know statistically... Circular that, thing. We know that statistically Welsh people aren't are more interested in... Well, they're, they're more interested in British and world politics than they are in Welsh and local politics. They're not interested in Welsh and local politics. But how can you be interested in something if you don't see it? Yeah. Or hear about it? British and world, and world press coverage is so much more accessible, isn't it, for mm. Welsh people? Um, you know, one example is the Wales Report, which has been asked ax, ax now. But um, it was on so late. It was on after the news. It was on, you know... I, d- I didn't see it being um, very well publicised, so people I didn't people, know, people don't know till, people don't yeah. know about it. So and Sharp Ends Group, but that's on about eleven. Exactly, isn't it? yeah, that's been pushed back and back and back. I think. That's way past this, your so bedtime. Yeah, well, yeah, I go to seven pm sharp. I stay up sometimes till eleven thirty, twelve even. Do you? Absolutely nails. Yeah, God. <laughs> like a real big boy. I have to. Well, what happens <laughs> is my mum comes over, tucks me in, <laughs> and nice. uh, locks up, and then you know. Good night, Nathan. Yeah, then come then comes back about twelve hours later. But they are the graveyard shifts, aren't they? These these shows. Yeah. Um, and it's re- I mean, what's it, I mean when I wrote the article on the BBC and I had like all that beef with all like the Trinity Mirror people, they were basically like being open and saying like we're giving the people what they want, i.e., dumb down rubbish. Um, and they're you know, I mean they obviously think in you know Trinity Mirror in particular think in terms of numbers and figures, and of course the bottom line is people, but but. I mean, the point is, if you were going to run, I don't buy that for a second. I think it's, you know, if you publish like good, interesting journalism, and you know, people will read it. And if you publish trash like listicles about like and live tweet the opening of like a little or a burg like a or a, or a burg, new burg joint card, <laughs> people will read that as well because they're sort of being conditioned to. And and as you said, Nath, the way the news itself is being reported and. Um, the formula of how we consume news is changing, so we are ourselves being conditioned to like not to pay attention. You know um, what we spoke, we just speaking to speaking about prior to starting recording. The idea of like long, you know, a long read yeah, or a longer yeah. bit of reporting is almost seen as like a articles a, literally have like this would be a three minute read and an anachronism, yeah. you know, and like it and you know that's why Medium, the blog site, does like this is a three minute read, this is a five minute read, um, because we're being bombarded with information from everywhere, and it's like oh well. You know, so people are reading like you know <coughs> headlines, or they're reading. I think that's partly as well uh, as we consume media or how we live our lives. Is um, so I was reading something. I can't remember. There's a book about consumerism and how um, it's called the New Consumer Mind, I think, and how millennials and this generation and the generation, I guess, um, after us, as we experience things, we do things um, multiply. So. Um, <clears throat> we'll do three things at once and then that kind of transfers to how we can only take in a lot uh, only mm-hmm. so much so and our con- concentration spams have gone down haven't they but at the same time it's as you say it's the amount of information that's coming from each side but you know, on, in terms of that in terms of you know possibly uh, Wales and Line is way of, of journalism now and how they they very aggressively just pushing for listicles and so on. I think there were um, a few publications with a nostalgia subheading. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, you click on Wales Online and then there's like sports, mm. politics, nostalgia. And it's just like, oh, let's just live in the past. But no, but it'll literally oh, be like, look at these. You won't believe these photos of Porth Call in like the 20s. You yeah. won't believe these photos. And it's like, oh, all right, it's just. Yeah. Have you ever, so have you, but, uh, Gollywood, have you felt the downward pressure to do 
No, Anything like that? We haven't. No, we haven't got the same um, marketing pressures as what they they've got. You know, they they depend on advertisements and so on. We we to an extent we do as well because I think I was speaking to our managing director, uh, Dylan Nordwest, and he said that eighty percent of uh, our profit comes from commercial um, commercial funding, but at the same time. We have generated a lot of our own in- income with, uh, well, with Gollock Three Sixty, mm-hmm. with also our magazine for Welsh learners, Lingon Ewith, and our magazine for children, Oko. Um, so we haven't got the same. And obviously, we we'll never, we, you know, we're a Welsh language publication. We'll never be able to just uh, depend Knock Sky on. News off no, exactly. <laughs> um, so there isn't such a heavy drive on listicles and on clicks. Um, with us, we're 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 pushing. Obviously, we're pushing for more visitors to our website. So we're just pushing on more video content, more um, sound clips. That's what, and more original story, unique stories. That's what gets the biggest hits for us. But we are obviously dealing with a different range of audience than what Wales Online does. You know, we. Even Morgan Jones said um, on his blog a few months ago that Welsh language media is kind of converting to the uh, preaching to the converted um, people who 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 want to know about what's happening in life in Wales. So it's we are facing the same challenges as English language media in terms of um, print decline, but we haven't seen such a dramatic print decline, and we. We are quite confident that um, you know we 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 our figures for our website is quite healthy, so um, we're facing the same challenges, but not on such a such a scale. I think. It's, I mean, it, it is fascinating, and, it, and a lot of it does come down to the political economy, the press, isn't it? And and you know the fact that Trinity Mirror and you know all the other massive sort of media conglomerates in the world are ultimately driven by profit, and that. Mm-hmm essentially drives the doubling down of news and the quest for clicks and stuff. And so it's interesting to think, you know, that Golo is, you know, obviously you do have to make, you know, make money to survive. Um, and you do, it's interesting to know that you do make money off, what, what is 360 about Golo 360? The, right? Well, Golo 360 is our website. Oh, sure, sorry. So we use that, you know, with advertising that comes comes from that. Mm-hmm. And also Lingonewith and Uko, with those, those three things go hand in hand with our main uh well i'm not sure if you can call it the main thing now because garlic 360 is such a an important aspect of garlic's work um but without those uh three other publications i don't think garlic and delaney has said himself um, we don't think garlic would be in such a, a healthy state as it is now because we've we've well delan and um other colleagues have made um you know, a big push to to drive our our own uh, income. A, a bit of advice that I would give as a, you know for commu- uh, you know to if you want to be really from succe- a medium goal, yeah if yeah. you want to be really successful what you want to do is as soon as you click on the Golo three hundred and sixty page you have to have a massive advert that's just from like Gillette or something that just starts yeah. playing and then if everything. yeah the blocks everything a huge pop up and then if you want to read the article you have to take a survey. Um, because you know that really makes me enjoy uh, I mean, my experience when of I'm consuming reading, Wales online. When I'm reading an article, uh, if you just have an, like an advert right in the middle, just bump. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, not you know. Yeah. And sometimes if it like I quite like as well, if you, like after a certain thing, 
uh, if you ever pop up on another page that starts playing. Yeah. Well, would you look at this? <laughs> yeah, or I made five million pounds <laughs> yeah. from working at home, and obviously, you know, I click on that. I saw a really good one that was. I want to uh, make some money. I made um, sixteen million pounds from selling my book. Please buy my book, and the price is sixteen that? million. Jesus, <laughs> the Bible, like the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just one, but just we yeah. only sell one copy of it. Yeah, there was a guy, Paul McKenna, I can make you rich, just buy my book. <laughs> it's just, I mean, again, this is another thing we spoke about. I mean, the, the, there's, I mean, there's amazing bits. I mean, the Trinity Mirror model is easy to sort of parody, really. Like, Gareth Davis and this, these other sort of journalists who've, like, been amazing investigative journalists have been fired from the various regional papers at Trinity Mirror have sort of taken over and just, like, changed into these horrible sort of listicle do you know, you know the Sunday Times used to be really good before they put out there's a really good documentary um, I can't remember the name it's about a war photographer I ended up reading his um, autobiography and it's brilliant but he, in, in that he um, says about the change of like the Sunday Times as soon as um, Murdoch bought it those people would come in they get like they changed to a lifestyle magazine rather than like a yeah, you really well, it's, it's amazing to think that, like, you know, you think the Sunday Times now, you just think it's you just. You can see all... that happening with, with online, can't you? Yeah. And with Western Mail. And I think Trinity Mirror have just sort of forgotten about the print publication and they're really, really pushing for just the online content, um, which. In my in my in my view, is is a big mistake. <laughs> One other thing, if you if you search. This is weird, right? So I was actually looking for a good place to go for a Sunday lunch in Cardiff. Cause until last week, I didn't, I never attempted to cook on myself. And you, how did that go, by the way? Uh, exceptionally well. Yeah. And I will uh, tweet a photo of it. But I've just been eating roast beef basically from Sunday until today. Just eat a whole beef joint basically. Paleo, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Nothing but beef. Beef for breakfast. And I'm still here. Yeah. You know, can't go. To, I'm going to the toilet three days. <laughs> um, my face is like bright red yeah. and florid. Um, but I keep vomiting. I will keep eating the uh, yeah. roast beef. But um, you and you basically, there's like a thousand. Well, that's an exaggeration, but there's just so many hits, and all of them are like the top ten places to eat. Like, and they just regurgitate like the, entire, the same article, oh, like every single, yeah, maybe even every six months. Like, mm. and it's just listicles of like food places and stuff like that, and, um, and it really is. Absolutely it's baffling, like it's yeah. demeaning as well. For I'm sure for the journalists who it is. were paid to <laughs> to go to a burger bar. To yeah, you can imagine. You know, they're that kind of waking in at fourteen or fifteen. They're like, you know, like, I'm gonna be investigative. I'm gonna be a muckraker. I'm gonna, you know, the old news hound. Yeah, pretty much like for his. What's this burger? For their eighth, <laughs> it's a big Mac. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> for their eighth birthday, they got like a kind of you know long coat and a press like yeah. kind of pork pie hat comes back like what a scoop yeah <laughs> it's just uh, uh, Robert, take a note but it's I mean and you know we'll move off from hammering I mean, it, it's, I it is, no it's just stay honest but yeah um, but it, so that this this guy who'd been kicked off the Croydon one of the Croydon papers I think basically was moaning he said like well what Trinity Mirror do and their business model he said it's basically like you've got a trusted nice like neighborhood store where you go in and buy your sort of uh, you know that would be like the old newspaper and he said next door opens up a huge supermarket which he compares to like the new version of the paper that Trinity Mirror sort of thing and he said and they offer like cut price you know reduce you know basically rubbish goods but like bulk buy things like that and it encourages people but he says imagine going through the supermarket 
and there's a guy following you around with like a huge placard that's like banging into your face because because the way that the, the sites are so I mean you know I mean I research education and I've got to find that you know you've got to go on there occasionally you know it's interesting to see what like Gareth Evans or Martin Chip and have written about like the new education policies um, and you know and when and how they're received in the press and every time I click on the website like everyone in the office laughs because like boom Avid starts playing like straight away. Well, just, would you look at this? It's just uh, it's so frustrating. I have the same problem when researching something. It's uh, yeah, it puts you off, doesn't it? And yes. I think Trinity Mirror needs to needs to think about that. They won't because they're aggressively pro the uh, the sort of uh, their evangelists for that business model. I mean, they sort of seem to the, the Welsh reporters, no, not mine, Shipton, but other ones seem to certainly revel in this. Um, it's like it's all funny, like ha ah, ha, yeah, like we're sort of. Um, we change the media landscape. This is brilliant. This is what people want. Um, well, yeah, let's move on. But, but, but in that wider sort of context of the media being dumbed down, it's really fascinating to think about publications like Golu, like Baron, like is that pronunciation? Check yeah, that pronunciation. Yeah. Um, um, you know, Planet. Um, but beyond beyond that as well, like not you know not just in Wales, not just about politics. So you know I. You know, I was an avid reader of, um, you know, I am an avid reader of like When Saturday Comes, Football Magazine, sometimes I've subscribed you've got to. you sticker book, haven't you? <laughs> but you've got private, <laughs> you've got private eye, you've got learning review of books, um, you know, but the thing is you can almost like count these quality long read publications on, you know, one hand really, like, and they're still there, but the issue is almost how. How are they still? How are they still going? You know, they've got to have like a rich benefactor. It's your private eye as well. It's like almost twelve quid for a, a year subscription. It's nuts. Twelve. Yeah. It's a bargain. Isn't it? Yeah. Every yeah. every two weeks it comes to the door. I, I used to straighten or something. I sent all my old private eyes to um, Irish Republican dissident prisoners back in the day, and they they really loved them. So I was uh, pretty pretty pleased with their reaction. Um, so when we talk about um, the Welsh public sphere is what we've you know, we've talked about in previous episodes, and it's and, and what you know, Marad's here to talk about and help us understand. You know, this idea there is this information deficit, um, but one of the things that who Williams suggested to me the other day, you know, he was saying like you know when we talk about the Welsh public sphere, and you just mentioned the Royal Welsh Marad, mm. um, you know, is the Welsh language public? You know, when we talk about the Welsh public sphere, do we mean that the Welsh you know? The Welsh public sphere in the English languages has been reduced because it almost seems that the Welsh language public sphere has stuff going on. You know, you've got the Eisteddf, you've got the Royal Welsh, you've got Golly, you've got Baron, you've got um, all the sort of healthy papery bro, like mm-hmm. which is a local Welsh language papers. They're doing quite well. Yes. So, what you know, firstly, I guess, do you think that it's that's accurate to say that it's doing okay? Well, yeah, I think it's doing okay. I don't think it's going through such a golden age as what some people have said recently. It's as I said earlier, it's still facing the same kind of challenges. And with Papera Bro, they are um, in quite a healthy state, but the the people who are behind them, the volunteers who are behind them, are aging. They, you know, you know, most of them are uh, above uh, over fifty, uh, and um, as well. Obviously, I don't I don't read every popular prose. I don't know what's what's in every single one of them, but they're more of um, sort of information uh, sharers. I wouldn't really call them breaking news sure. um, <laughs> publications, but 
I'm not sure in terms of it is difficult to compare both English language well the English language Welsh public sphere and the Welsh language public sphere um, we know in, in Golog every story we've got are that the most pop- popular stories we've got are the original ones are the ones possibly about the Welsh language or about SOC um, because people who people who read Golog are people who are actually really interested in those things so as I said earlier we are sort of preaching to, to the converted um, and it's most people who, who will go and pick up a copy of Golog are people who are already and with Barn and other publications as well people who are already within that public sphere so it's it's t- difficult to actually know to compare those two things I think so potentially the reason that you know Golog and Barn and things remain these oasis is for want of a better word of mm. of engaged you know sort of a healthy you know mm. uh, sort of example of how to do you know mm. sort of journalism and stuff like that is because almost there's a ready-made reservoir of people who are already engaged in Welsh yeah and I think issues that's not gonna, that's not going to be there forever so we do have to adapt um what would you say like the average age of your readership is oof, um for the for the magazine, definitely older. Yeah, just printed. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah, obviously, I'm not sure about the average age, but around middle age, I th- I think. So obviously, as you you know, um, I'm not sure how much how successful we are in terms of um getting new readers to subscribe and to to buy our stuff. So that's when that's where the website comes in because that's where we see, uh, we you know. As I said, we, we get pushed a lot more to um, generate video content and so on. So that's what gets the most hits on Facebook. We can get up to a few thousand hits sometimes for, for, vi- for videos. Um, so that's why I think it's so important that print and webs- uh, online publications, they, they can work together. They don't have to be enemies against each other. I mean, it's also an active... It's a, it's a consumer choice as well, isn't it? You, you've got this... Uh, body of engaged, smart, you know, handsome, you know, good looking yeah. people who buy Golub and, uh, and listen to, yeah, and listen to, you know, but, and listen to Desolation as well. But, but it's, I mean, it's, it's amazing because like, you know, for example, we've asked for money and things like that and, and we asked, you know, we want people to like listen to, and we never for one second thought that people would remotely listen to us talking about, you know, anything, let alone talking about like Welsh politics, which is quite niche. But it's, and then on top of it, give us money for doing it as yeah. well. But, it, but, nice. but, it's, but it's because people are making active, and I think that's really, it's really honourable, because it's hard, it's really hard, but firstly because people don't have much money, mm. disposable mm. income, but it's hard, especially in that sort of broader, you know, milieu, for want of a better word, of just being saturated with like, news about everything. You yeah. don't have, it's, it's almost, it's hard to go out and, Buy a copy of Golub or subscribe to Golub or take an hour to listen to a podcast or something like that. So, but it's so you know the, the continue. It's almost like a symbiotic relationship. You know the continuing success of any Welsh media. You know in in the absence of a mass Welsh media, is contingent on this. Mm. You know, the continued support of a small, almost dedicated cohort of people. Really, mm-hmm. but it's um, it's an interesting one, isn't it? As you said, it's almost like how do you how do you go beyond that exactly. um, yeah. that threshold of 
of sort of engaged people because touristicals. But I mean, the, we, we've, I mean, obviously not. I mean, we we think and with you know, Nation Cymru is doing really well at this. One of the key markets, I think, is is Facebook. That's how the far right, you know, the EDL, Britain First, did so well in sort of getting I mean, all, you know, whether or not those people became involved in political activity, but through sharing those stupid. But I mean, it, it like drives the narrative. It doesn't matter how engaged they, they are. Like, don't think the EDL may not be picking up numbers, but they're certainly, or the far right are certainly driving that, um, you know, cultural narrative, aren't they? Facebook's a huge untapped uh, resource. Yes. I um, heard some of the, yeah. uh, the youth um, aren't that into Facebook. Well, yeah. there are different things now isn't there you've got instagram and snapchat and that's something that we we aren't on at all and you know not just us as as Gollog, but other um publications and as well the assembly and the government they should be they should be tapping into those different um media outlets it's also grim to think but, that we're no longer the youth isn't it yeah you're talking about yeah yeah so it's been no, pulling my back trying to do a wheelie <laughs> yeah you know people are thinking people are saying that you know, social media is sort of um, an echoing chamber mm. and it is to some extent but you can tap after that as well so for example I did um, a story a few weeks ago about Chris Coleman and he told me that the Welsh language is really important even though no one, uh, not everyone can speak it it's still uh, language for everyone and so on and that got loads of shares and I think Nation Documentary picked up on it the BBC picked up on it so and that was because of people sharing it on on Facebook. So um, that's certainly yeah. how something can go viral. I think. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just. I mean, one of the interesting things. I mean, there's an article on Jacobin um, about the evolution of Jeremy Corbyn's media strategy. And if you mean, which we talked about in our election special, it was really perceptible to know how much more like savvy they sort of got. Like you know, the, the Labour adverts were really, really effective, like the short, like minute adverts, like for the many, not the few. Um, but the main place that they were getting shared were on Facebook, so getting the, yeah. the policies out, and that was a huge thing. So that, I mean, any sort of nascent Welsh media really has to start utilising Facebook. And the other interesting thing is, to think about the Papyri Bro, as you said, Mara, these are volunteers, aren't they? They're, mm-hmm. And as with Nation.Cymru, you know, it's a big props to Ethan for starting it. Um, well, and with us, of course, but you know, if, if people, <laughs> but people are doing it themselves. You have to. People are doing it themselves. Mm. Um, and what I think is interesting about the English language public sphere is this constant, like, oh, the BBC, the BBC, like, we need more, you know, and they're not going to do it, or you know, at most they're going to give us a, a, a tiny scraps from the table, really, like, oh, I'll give you an hour here or there yeah. um, to Welsh current affairs. Is the Welsh language um, public sphere dependent in the same way, or does it have the same? Uh, almost view of the BBC as like the saviour of the Welsh language in no. the public sphere no not at all um, one of our greatest competitors as Gollock 360 is BBC and they've launched their best book um, Welsh language website BBC could be very a few years ago and they are they are our main competitors and I think we're doing pretty okay competing against them at, at the moment mm. in terms of the Welsh language content. Um, they're much better than us. We were talking a few minutes ago about sharing stuff on Facebook and Twitter. 
they are better than this but than doing that but we've recently employed someone um to do just that to share more on facebook and so on so we are catching on and we are um you know we are able to compete with them but um i don't think you know there, there is there is as you say there is a danger that people are looking to the bbc um for for everything and if you've just got the bbc having a monopoly on, on everything um then that's that's a that's dangerous territory to be on really i think we need our own we need different voices from different um different publications and we need well pluralism pluralism we need um more fine wills absolutely um moving on to sort of media and engagement strategies um lane andrews um spoke about i mean you know lane andrews has been very good i think in in, in talking about the need for a an engaged public sphere in Wales. And one of the ideas that he's come up with is this almost like this, the assembly themselves yeah. directly engaging you know, was it uh, having like an, um, their own sort of news information service. So what as someone that works there, mm. what do you think about about that? Well there's a difference isn't there between a news information service and the assembly employing their own journalists. So that was what he said in it sorry yes, yeah well I'm not sure because um I'm not sure yeah, that's what essentially what what was in the report. Um, so no, I wouldn't. If if that was the direction that he's he's looking to go on, then I wouldn't support that. Really, I don't it, think that's. It, it's an enormous giving the assembly their own PR team. Well, this is the date, and this is the huge yeah. inherent risk. Because I mean, that's what journalism is now: is you won't t- do much in terms of investigating. Yeah, you and go to the police or you go to the like say royal family's PR team and they'll put a statement mm. and they report it yeah the, the lines are already really blurred in the mainstream media between PR and journalism aren't they because you know they do you know Western Mail uh, Wales Online do advertorials so you know it'll be like a mm. sponsored article on ooh new housing going to Cardiff um, and you know as, as in you know every single development in Cardiff is reported and critically because what's happened is they've gone to the PR firm and said please give me a press release they then add some words, and that's the th- that's basically mm. what the, mm. the someone else quote unquote story is. Mm. Um, so yeah, that more needs to be done in the assembly, definitely, in terms of um, I don't know if promoting is the right word, but letting people know of what's happening there. And I think the assembly themselves they've got a role in doing that. Um, but you know, they could start off with um, pu- well publishing simple and uh, well simple and plain press releases that aren't full of jargon because <laughs> I get trouble in trying to make sense of what, what they're actually saying sometimes. Um, and, you know, one example I can think of is um, the EU Parliament. They do this very well. They've got their own Instagram page. I follow that. And they, they're really well in engaging a younger audience on what's happening in the EU Parliament, which acts are being passed and so on. Um, again, a lot of video content. So something like that, I, which is essentially a kind of a news information team which, which isn't they're not journalists who are interviewing different ministers so, yeah so i mean the, the imagine i mean yeah so as you, as you said there's an important distinction to make isn't it between mm. like a releasing news i mean i'm a massive fan i mean i was for one was scared straight by tv adverts when i was watching grew up the things i was scared of never return to unlit fireworks um never play on train tracks I never go in those electricity boxes because you watch them in primary school at like a very impressionable age and it's like 
remember going to the States where people were obsessed with fireworks and like send them off in the house. And I, you know, me and all like the Welsh and British lads were just like terrified. Like, didn't you ever see those adverts? Like, you know, and they fire like don't return to a firework. Um, and they're like, what? I saw some great ones about train safety. And there was this, it was this almost like weird dystopian future in which all these children were railing and really hated the train tracks. So they'd run down and lie on the tracks and all get run over. But then in turn, that would make all their classmates really annoyed. And then they do the same thing. Doesn't have it. Yep. For, uh, nice. So it wasn't the film The <laughs> Railway Children. No, no, it was an advert for um, Arriva Trains Rails. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, but but they could use like not memes because that's a bit cringe really. But like given the levels of sort of political disengagement and political illiteracy in Wales, for want a better word, you could just do information things saying this is what we're in charge of. Hmm. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you make that interesting. You don't, even, would, you don't necessarily have to. Yeah, where would you do that then? Everywhere, Facebook. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of billboards, but you know, like you know, Instagram, yeah. you say Twitter, just like information, uh, things like that. Um, but there's a big difference between that, isn't it? And embedded, like I mean, imagine, I mean, you know, imagine a, I'm a House of Commons journalist, you know. I often do. Um, but I mean, I mean, but but to be fair, like in you know, late night's defence, he he was saying like, given the the current state of affairs, mm-hmm. and you know, he doesn't think I think that you know, big papers are like no. are gonna having better journalists to cover it, what alternative is there? And that's, and, that, and that's, so I criticise the Welsh government for being too hands-on in their, like the media strategy almost like that, because I thought that, the, I, I got the impression that the Welsh government wanted to control it, which is, you, if you can't have a public sphere that is dominated by anyone group, you know, it has to be free of the state, of state influence. But, you know, the, the counter-argument is, well, we've got these levers of power, wouldn't, wouldn't they be, best place to be used to actually develop something from nothing and mm. so I think that's a real difficult mm. question really. Yeah, it is difficult. Um, the only real, you know, the, the danger with that is that you could see an end to the lobby and the assembly altogether if if that goes ahead. So I can see where Leighton Andrews is coming from in terms of there isn't he. what people can see that there isn't there isn't another alternative at the moment um but we need i think we need to think more about that in terms of i, w- I would not like to see journalists being employed in the assembly okay another, so. qu- another question um one of the things i mean i've seen like documentaries and things like this and um one of the things i'm horrified by when i look at like the westminster and houses of parliament is this idea that everyone sort of gets on with each other. It's like a big game, like all the party, you know, like all the ministers, regardless of parties, they go out, they drink together, the researchers all hang out together. They have like parliamentary football games. And for me, I just, I mean, again, I just think like, even even when I do these, like, you know, I did like talk in the Senate, you see someone like, I think, well, he's, he's mm. not someone, that's not someone I respect. That's not someone I want to talk to. I find it very hard to, you know, just to, to, to to be okay on a social level with with them, um, and so I was wondering if the assembly is anything like that. You know, are they all is it all a big game? Are they all mates? You know, do they all just like pal around after they've just yelled at each other in the, in the chamber? Do they all sleep together? <laughs> just like that um, that show about um, the Welsh Parliament. I forgot it's called. Oh it? yeah, it's in Welsh. Uh, Boo Calwith. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's like a. It's not. Yeah, it's not quite like Boo Calwith, but um, they are quite pally together. They are quite, you know. It's quite cushy in there, in the assembly. Um, 
the drinking culture, from what I understand, there used to be a drinking culture in, in the Assembly. But as the Assembly has got, has got more powers, um, AMs are under a lot more uh, pressure now with their jobs. So like, that's See gone down. old labour blokes in the valley is kicking <laughs> off because they can't have like five yeah. pints of work, yeah. five, five pints of lunch. So um, Wrap it up, it starts now. <laughs> yeah, there's a fine line, isn't there, between being pally and being, you know, being able to work with different politicians from different parties because I think that's important in in some respects. We saw it just now uh, um, John in the US, John McCain rushed yeah. out of hospital to vote against the healthcare <laughs> bill oh, yeah. and Bernie Sanders gave him a hug. Did he? Yeah. yeah, I mean I absolutely hate that. I hate it when I see um, like they've seen like the Democrats are, like applauding John McCain because he's like a national hero voting against like, you know, he's voting for repealing healthcare millions of people so, you know, I hope he dies yeah. soon. Um, is that terrible? Is that a terrible thing to say? No, I don't. Um, but you know, you think but, well, you did see when um, when he was standing against Barack Obama, didn't you, for the presidential um, for, to be the president? Um, and someone said that they don't trust Barack Obama or something. She's a Republican voter said something quite racist against him, and John McCain did come to his uh, to his defense and say something like, "No, no." He, I think I would make a better job than than him, but he is a good man. You can't say those things about him, which is completely different from obviously what the current president is is doing. But, um, Trump boy, yeah, yeah. It, it happens in all different um, houses of power. I think it's it's a long walk through the institution, isn't it? Yes. You come out, you come in, think you're a radical. Come out, working as. A <laughs> but I mean, but you you are, you are absolutely right because like the. the one of the, apparently, one of the things the assembly does right, I mean, I loathe to give them any credit on anything, but one of the, apparently there's the committees, you know, the fact they all work together and, um, but I mean, I, I, again, it's easy for me to criticise, and as we said before, it is fun, um, but imagine being on a committee with someone that, you know, politically or at the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, political spectrum, you have uh, views you find abhorrent, but mm. you have to sort of mm. get on and things like that, I mean, you know, is it inevitable that the people start palling around? It's it's almost quite hard to. How do you? That's obviously the culture, um, that is, in the assembly at the moment, and you know it's probably a big challenge for some assembly members when UKIP got elected because some, um, some of their policies I'm I'm sure is is some assembly members on the left really do think that are, as you say are abhorrent, um. And we saw something that we had a really popular um, uh, story on Garlog three sixty actually when uh, Neil Hamilton posed for a selfie with other members of the culture committee. Yeah. Um. So, it is a challenge. Um. But on on the other hand, you know, people did vote in assembly members for UKIP. Um. So, assembly members need to need to work with them when when needed. There's a um. One of the things we, you know, I think that contributes to it is that you know that when the assembly was founded, there's such an explicit commitment to creating like a consensual politics, like an end to partisanship. That maybe that, you know, maybe that sort of uh, influences people's thinking, like oh, we got to get on. You know, people are turned off by confrontational politics, things like that. Um, really? I well, was well, really yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and the counter argument would be the counter argument would be that well, yeah, people are, you know, people want politicians apparently to be mature and work together, but then. Is the logical endpoint of that the normalisation of parties 
like UKIP, it's almost like, hey, welcome to the assembly. You know, we respect you because you know this is a democracy sort of thing. So it's a it's a fine line. You just sh- you just shun them, yeah. shun them, shun on, shun off. I mean, how about knock them out? That's what UKIP does. Remember, isn't it? An interesting thing is when Kindisriaith, um, the Welsh Language Society, mm. were invited to give ad- evidence for the Culture Committee, and they would not because Neil Hamilton is on sure. that committee. Um, you know, some people will respect them for for that uh, stance, but I don't know what they've they've gained from it. So, yeah, but up, that's like the rules of the game are sort of there. Um, mm. It's a real it's a real tough one. But okay, so just to clarify, they're not all going out uh, drinking no, with each other. Um, they're certainly some some assembly members are certainly very more pally with each other than you know some others. Um, but I don't think it's it hasn't gone to levels where it's um, uncomfortable anyway for me. I don't think so. Well, that's interesting. For, for, I mean, part of the I guess the tension for journalists surely, and obviously the pressures are double on you because you're the only you're the only one there. Is I mean, you know, journalists have to ask like tough questions, don't they? They have to be unpopular. You know, like do you have to ring up someone and just like probably get yelled at or something like that so it's interesting to do you ever feel the pressure to not do that or to maintain like cozy relationships or you know uncritical relationships or no and I think politicians most politicians in the assembly respect that as well Mm. they know that you know um, I could go out I could go for a coffee with one politician have a chat with them of, of what's happening um, get a story from them and so on and then possibly a few weeks down the line if something comes up I'll need to ask that politician some uh, you know difficult questions um, and so far I, I've, I haven't really had any problems with people um, you know putting pressure on me or trying mm. to um, say that I can't run the story, particular story because of something uh, a relationship or so or anything like that um, so no I haven't got any problem with doing that any no hostility from you know for asking tough questions no you'll get people who are unhappy mm. and people might not answer or try to you know what every, everyone does that they try that's what politicians are brilliant, brilliant at doing is um, you know talking and not really answering the question but no I haven't had any serious run-ins with with any politicians yet but it's just interesting isn't it? like the closeness to the assembly the smallness and it's, a, and it's, a, it's the nature of Wales itself but it's a strength and a weakness because Wales is so small that you know you know like for example I can write an article which I regularly do like slagging off the Welsh government and the Labour Party and then I'll go to like a, a talk and there'll be all these people there um, and then you're like oh, oh bloody hell I don't want to speak to him or whatever and then um, so, you know so on the one hand it's great that you can have that closeness in a way to mm. politicians and like talk to them um, but in another way it's absolutely terrible because there's a danger that you lose that critical distance that you need to correctly scrutinise and you know, and hold people to account because if you if you all pally with each other and meet you with everyone then it's obviously going to be quite hard to you know because I, I wrote an article about uh, you know, um, Leighton Andrews and the education system in Wales, and I'd written this article months ago when I pitched it to Jacobin, 
and you know I've sort of built up because I disagree with all the late Andrews' policies I've built up this imaginary like a caricature yeah and it's like imaginary beef in my head basically like mm. oh you know he, you know reading his book like I you know very good book but thinking I you know I don't agree with it and then like I just happened to but you know, meet Lane Andrews and it's separate. And I sort of was like, oh, it's Lane Andrews, you know, I'm not going to like him. But he's just a really affable, nice, engaging guy. And then immediately I started thinking, well, you know, like this is, it's, it's not, a, it, it is a problem in a way, right? And it isn't because you think, well, I've been slating him in this article. And then you think, well, I shouldn't have said that. You know, that was a bit close to the bone and things like that. Um, I, you know, I, I really think that's a problem. It's been a problem in, in Welsh society in general, people have been sort of too pally about each other. Mm. But it'd be interesting to know if that, I mean, do you ever... You um, know? No, <laughs> it can be quite useful as well that Gorog is written in Welsh. Yeah, that's, so, that's another... Um, yeah. yeah. It could just be like sliding between me, you know, whenever Not clue, quite, like. but um, yeah, but no, I haven't had, maybe I just haven't written anything that's, that's, uh, you know, that's gone to, to that place really but um no I haven't had you know I've had people who have rang me up and say oh I've heard you're writing this story why can I just give you my side of things and that's fair enough obviously but I haven't had anything you know and I haven't been embarrassed of um going to see someone after mm. I've written something that's yeah. quite negative about them so no I think as I said I think politicians definitely experienced politicians they they know the deal with 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 us. They know that we can mm. write any. You know, if it's if it's justified, we can write anything we want about, about them, really. So so they know about it. Because I I, um, I think tone is interesting. Because I I remember seeing an interview with Hugh Lewis, and it was about I think it probably, news. Uh, yeah, but I think it was about the PISA um, results. It pro- probably was you know because you know that's mm. but it was like the. I remember the I can't remember the, but the interview of the BBC didn't go for him, but really sort of pressed him on, like you know, he's had basically saying these things are unacceptable, blah blah, and he just seemed genuinely shocked, like genuinely, so almost like because I sort of I kind of felt at the time that in Wales is sort of cosy little sort of club, mm. you don't really get that level mm. of scrutiny. I mean, they're probably if you think about it, the least scrutinised mm. bunch of professional politics well actually local councillors in Wales are the least scrutinised but they're probably the least scrutinised bunch of people in the world almost and I definitely picked up on I think a sensitivity so like I'll write an article or something like that or moan as usual about the government on Twitter and it's oh like oh well what would you do about it you know it's a real almost like a, a shock that people would firstly criticise well the Labour Party I think but secondly, almost, I think it, it disrupts this narrative that we're all in it together. Like, you know, oh, you know, like we're sort of team Wales, you know, like trying our, yeah. trying our best. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I sort of, um, but that, that, that's why I think you need sometimes to, to have that the critical distance. Yeah. But it's interesting that you says it is, you can maintain that. Yeah, and that's on Twitter as well, isn't it? Where you do have people um, really trying to wind you up. On, on Twitter, you know, but it doesn't happen as often um, to me, but some broadcast journalists, it happens a lot, a lot too, and, you know, in some in some 
sometimes that's fairly done but sometimes you know people just like to have a pop because <laughs> they fancy it so it's yeah fun. it's all yeah. good fun yeah. um okay um right we've we're coming to the end of this week it's been absolutely fantastic and really really informative um mara thank you so much for coming on um and everyone you know you need to read if you can speak welsh um you go now with if you're learning welsh exactly you should read the uh, read god oak go on god oak 360 um should we do? The, should we go to do Wales this week? Should we do a roundup? Yeah. <coughs> uh, Ken Skates did a really elaborate um, wedding proposal to his his fiancée. Then he, he's built making a big ring for. And it's him. been tragically misconstrued. Hasn't it, it has. It's just the most unfortunate uh, proposal. Yes. Yeah. Uh, where to start with the Iron Ring? Really. Um, so the Iron Ring uh, was uh, sort of as part of uh, the visit Wales is. It's almost unbelievable. This whole thing is unbelievable. As, as part of the Visit Wales Year of Legends, because they've got like, in terms of their marketing, they've got thematic years. So last year was Year of Adventure, wasn't it? And this year's Year of Legends. Last year, Year of the Dragon. Next year mm. is uh, Year of the Sea, sea I believe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's just going to be like loads of maritime disasters. To be fair, yeah, the, the sea, sea is, monsters. is really immediate to Wales, isn't it? Yeah, the, I, I think it's it one of the only three countries in the world with the sea. Yeah, yeah. Not the only one. Uh, um, so yeah, so basically, as part of this like year of legends, they, you know, which let's face it is a step up from previous marketing campaigns. Absolutely, uh, Ken Skates in Flint uh, unveiled this really exciting new monument, and it's called the Iron Ring. And so it was four hundred, you know, four hundred thousand has been paid to uh, a London-based architecture firm to commission. Um, a ring of an iron, a massive literal iron ring. Is it Flint Castle, isn't it? Um, and and people would say about the ambiguity of art and things like that. But then, like, it's well, something the, to interpret. The, the iron ring uh, referred to um, well, Edward Longshanks. So Edward Longshanks, Edward is the dude from Braveheart. If you don't know, the evil, basically an evil English king who basically like you know colonized Wales, like enslaved the population, uh, as in Scotland. Um, and the Iron Ring referred to an Iron Ring of castles around Wales, which sort of symbolised this like control he had around Wales. And so they've sort of taken this like metaphor, you know, and and turned it into a literal Iron Ring. And Ken Skates, I mean, is there like you know, blessing, like smiling, you know, how exciting. And then obviously like you know, Cadu press people have probably had better days, haven't they? Mm. Because it's just gone. It's it, people have just kicked off about it. Not just the fact that. I mean, for me, honestly, it's not the. the I mean, I don't, I don't mind like big sculptures and things like no. that. I think that I mean, I think the Year of Legends has been pretty. I think it's a brilliant idea because you can go on it and you can look at the view and you know yeah. it, it's great. But it's it's it, it's, it's it, firstly it's the it's like the procurement and like the due diligence mm-hmm. and it's, how could something that was that and the sort of colonial overtones get that far in the planning stage and, that, and that's what is the most baffling it's thing of like, all really. uh, Nagasaki and Hiroshima like should we reveal like a big bronze nuclear bomb just to commemorate them? well it's just nuts I mean and, 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 and a panel was responsible for picking this sculpture wasn't it it's just amazing that no one on that panel um, did raise that there would be any issues over it and Interestingly, the Welsh government have declined to say who exactly it was on that panel. They're not running anyone else. Owen Smith. Yeah. As in part of previous. He came down just to say it would be brilliant. And then he made a joke about the Iron Ring not being able to fit around. (laughs) 
Um, but what I mean, yeah, the thing is, we should probably do. I mean, we've done an episode on branding and Wales is like heritage tourism with Sid Morgan, so go back and listen to that. But as you said, Mario, you, you sort of pull one thread here, and the whole like there's so many different things going on. There's firstly there's the widespread ignorance of Welsh history, like the fact that like that's obviously gone all the way through these different layers of government and committees, and no one's thought. Hey, wasn't he a bad? Like, didn't he sort of kill those Welsh people and enslave them? Yeah, uh, yeah. That's so. That's obviously not a thing. No, he did it so he knew in like a few hundred years' time there'd be like a Welsh tourist border or something. <laughs> um, longer. And then it's really, I mean, it's really in a way symptomatic of the sort of the the lack of knowledge of Welsh history. The fact that that could be possibly seen as something that's okay to celebrate. And the thing is, I hate being the person that like would would kick off at something like this because it just doesn't. I don't like people to moan about oh you, but it's you just can't imagine any other cut any other cunt, uh, country uncritically celebrating because that's what it was. I mean, because I mean, maybe if they hadn't released a press statement which said actually this is definitely about <laughs> this is hundred percent unambiguously celebrating you know. Uh, Excuse me, sir. Yeah. So the iron ring with some castles. Uh, yeah. Next question. About, um, so it's hard to imagine any other country sort of celebrating. You know, it's like you know. Edinburgh holding a big like monument to Highland clearances or something like that, um, or even Scotland doing a monument to Edward I. It's just unthinkable, and I think it could only happen in Wales really because of like a lack of understanding of our own history. Mm. But there's other things like you know the fact that the contract was given to a London-based firm, uh, whereas you know wait, what, who's to say this? You couldn't have given it to a, a local architect mm. or something like that. Um, but also, it's the fact it, it, the whole thing for me is like it's, it's almost good. I mean, the year of legends is just this, they're trying to tap into this like Game of Thrones, Tolkien, ooh, year of legends. Let's face it, they are, because like, you know, Northern Ireland has got done, has had so much tourism because of Game of Thrones. And it's this like weird mystical history of dragons and stuff like that. People are into it. Yeah, basically, it's almost, it's not a uniquely Welsh thing. It's almost trying to get into this like pan yeah. Celtic mysticism, which is like all of the rage at the moment. Um, I've got a Welsh spin on it, isn't it? But it's just like there's so many other other things you could do. You could market mm, yeah. uh, Wales because I did a thread on Twitter about yes. with a hand claps about it, um, and I'll never ever do it again because like my phone's just been. That was, that was it. I read that thread. People are just going thread like I just become everything thread just become, yeah yeah this. just become everything I you guys on, on Twitter um, and it's just uh, it's just I don't know yeah. and, and then interestingly I had a leader of Cardiff Council Hugh Thomas like pop up in the thread like because I criticised Cardiff Council but like it's really weird because like I didn't I don't think I've got any many mutuals with him um, I didn't at him so he's always like searching on Twitter like Cardiff Council or Come up in his or Twitter the coal exchange, and then he was like, "You're wrong about this, blah blah." So and then like, accuse me of being disingenuous, and then people say, "Which is I'd expect better for an academic." It's like, well, first it wasn't being disingenuous, but yeah, yeah I'm an academic, but two, I'm a citizen of Cardiff, and three, you know, I'm a communist. So it's like, it's like when I had triple wearing, but it's like, no, it's like, but it's like when I had a go at like the Wales Online. There's this weird assumption they're like, this is a polemical rant, you know. You're an academic. You're not supposed to have an agenda. It's like what? Like you know, so you, you academic. You know, doesn't exist in a vacuum. You don't just like sit there like, oh, these are the stats. You know, you have. <laughs> We're not Roger Scully. <laughs> no, but like you know, you have you know, yeah, explicitly say it's like Howard Zinn says, like yeah, I am against the Welsh government. You know, I'm against. You know, I want to. Well, amongst other things, you want to you know, smash the state, overthrow capitalism, 
yeah, those are the things you want to do. And you say that to people and they're like, oh, but you know, so no, I'm not objective. Um, we've also here got some, uh, so Hugh basically said, push the lie that Cardiff Council never, um, this is another digression. Isn't it? Yeah. The lie that Cardiff Council, you know, refer back to our other two episodes on Cardiff, which was sort of um, really me just like ranting about how much I hate the city of Cardiff for like mm. two hours. But um, the, you know, what, what Cardiff Council do, they say, oh, well, we never owned the code exchange and we never owned these buildings. But it's on Hansard, Stephen Doty, the, the Labour MP for Cardiff, is it Cardiff North or whatever or whatever he is, the Labour MP for the South, yeah, South, South yeah. Cardiff and Penarth, thank you, Mary. Um, he's on Hansard basically saying, well, you know, at the last minute, Cardiff Council used the powers to seize uh, the coal exchange, which they did. So, and then they handed it over to Signature Living, the dodgy group that now run the coal exchange. So, yes, they did own it. Uh, and it's disingenuous and extreme to say that they didn't because someone had to give it to Signature Living. Mm. Um, so who did, you know, if, it, if not Cardiff Council, for a pound, by the way. Um, and the other thing is they say, oh, well, you know, we can't, um, we don't own these buildings, but okay, they don't own the buildings, but ultimately, uh, restoration, demolition, change, you know, these listed buildings, these old beautiful buildings being changed. Um, that has to go through Cardiff Council Planning Committee. And if you ever read a planning committee um, for all these old buildings, there's always like a real sort of, a re- there's loads of me- objection by local members of like the council, local members of the public, the Victorian Society, the Civic Society. There's all these people saying like, please don't, knock, please, please, you know, please don't knock down these old buildings, they're beautiful. And there's so many, I mean, I searched in, on Google, you know, in my lunch break, just like, and there's just, it's really depressing the, the amount of old buildings that have just been like, either knocked down or changed into flats by Cardiff Council. And what you read, recommendation, we recommend that planning be granted. That's always what happens. Um, and then Hugh Thomas sort of cryptically said, you're not aware of the laws that constrain the planning committee, but all I can read is laws which say that the heritage and tone of Cardiff should be respected. So I have to confess I'm ignorant of laws which sort of seem to force them to favour property developers all the time over the concerns of local residents. So maybe other people more knowledgeable about it than me can uh, fill us in. Um, we'll do another episode on heritage, I think. It's time. Yeah. It's, it's time to do another this. <laughs> Just this, all of this. Oh, um, I hate Twitter, to be fair. Yeah, it's so depressing. Like, so I've tried to mute all those words because... I, I just look at it, it's like, oh, like, it's the same variations of the same person, same variations of the same thing. You'll be delighted to know that after meeting with um, Cadu and Ken Skates, I have now decided that the ring is good. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll write another thread like... This. Um, it's only a matter of time before someone does that sort of like cultural relativist... You know, sort of professional contrarian. Uh, actually, you know, like I think you'll find it is good. Um, all right, so we've wrapped it up. We now understand the Welsh public sphere, what it's like to be an embedded journalist um, that lives in the assembly. Um, so, Mara, thanks so much for coming on. Is there anyone that you would like to give a shout out to? Oh, um, to all my colleagues in Golog. Shout out to Hello. colleagues in Golog. Yeah, I'd like to give a shout out to Sean Williams and Gollum. I'll speak to Sean from uh, North Wales, real character. Always sort of brightens up my day when I chat to Sean. So, um, well, long may you continue fighting a good fight for Gollum. Um, who else should I give shout outs to? Uh, my. <laughs> uh, probably edit this bit out, I guess. Um, no, I'll do. Um, just shout out, to, shout out to my friends and my family. 
and to the people who keep promoting us, basically. Yeah. Uh, shout out um, to Kurt Russell. Hopefully, you get him on the show at some point. Isn't he dead? No, not yet. Oh, well, he was dead. That's why he's still like, holding out on a chance to meet Kurt Russell, who's a libertarian, which is brilliant. Uh, shout out to Lisa McKenzie as well, reading a book, Getting By, which is absolutely brilliant. Mm. Uh, it's a really good book. Yes. Um, and that's it, I think. Yeah. Yes, it is a good book. Yes. See you uh, next time, everyone. Yeah. Yep. See you next time. Cheers. Bye. Okay. Good. Thank you. Bye. Cinco Musical Tapes introduces a touching tribute to the music of Casey and his brother. Groban Sings Casey. From legendary recording artist, Josh Groban. If I could travel in time sometime, I'd travel to the end of all of mankind. I go These tapes will stand the test of time and will make you believe in the power of music. And while Casey is gone forever, his songs will live eternal. Thanks to Josh Groban. Hamburgers and hot dogs too. I want to have a barbecue. Bang, bang, cops and robbers. Bang, bang, robbers and cops. Bang, bang, rub that bank. Put him in jail, put him in jail. Rubman sings Casey. Not available for sale.